You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 416 of Locked On Raptors for late on a Monday, November 12th. You're probably hearing this on the 13th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams. We've got MLB shows going as well. We've got a whole bunch of college shows for you to check out. And it's uh, very nice. If you find a show on the network, a host that you want to support, that you subscribe to, rate, and review those podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that good stuff. It's very nice of you to do. Helps with the rankings, helps with our egos, and all that fun stuff. So thank you in advance for taking the small amount of time it requires to leave a rating or a review on whatever iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use to, to get the podcast onto your phone. All right. On today's show, we are deep inside the Air Canada Center, joined by... Not a common live uh, guest on the podcast, usually over Skype, but you're here tonight. It's yeah, Joe Wolfson. How's it going, man? It's going all right. Yeah, this, I think this is the first time we've done this in person because I didn't realize until right now that you just read that sort of like prelude yeah. off the cuff. I thought you had something recorded or something. So No, it's uh, it's kind of just embedded in my brain at this point. I have like a it's rough impressive. outline here, but I haven't updated it since episode 106. It says episode 106 here, so yeah, it's been a little while. Um, but yeah, Raptors just played the New Orleans Pelicans, lost 126-110 in one of the biggest stinkers the Raptors have dropped this season. At the same time, the Pelicans were ridiculous. They sh- just shot the lights out. They hit every single floater, like prime Tony Parker, except it was Etwan Moore for the most part. Sure, whatever. Anthony Davis rebounded his ass off. He had 20 boards. He had 25 points as well. And the Raptors kind of had a few things exposed, I guess, in this game, but also it just was like an off night for them. So I'm not sure there's all that much to be super concerned about. What's like, what was your sort of biggest takeaway from this game, the 126 110 loss of the Pelicans? Um, I don't know if there's like a big picture takeaway, uh, aside from the fact that Anthony Davis is really hard to stop. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and that didn't manifest so much with his individual scoring in this game, but. Mm-hmm. Basically, any screening action that the Pelicans ran with him as a screener, the Raptors didn't seem to know what to do with it. They obviously didn't want to switch. You don't yeah. want to get a small, a small switch on a Davis. And um, you were saying, like, on all those curls, when either Moore or Holiday was getting into the middle of the floor, they were able to either keep going to the rim, mm-hmm. hit floaters, hit mid-range jumpers. Um, and, you know, the Raptors tried to adjust. They were trying to trail those guys over screens. Frankly, I, I think they just did a really bad job staying attached and, and yeah. um, having those kind of rear view pursuits when they were going over top of the screen. Um, and when they tried to adjust and go under the screen, one of those guys would, you know, they would flare out to the three-point line instead. Mm-hmm. And so finally, uh, in that fourth quarter, Nurse yeah. goes with that super switchy lineup with Siakam at the five, and they just start to switch everything. Yeah. Which works fine until Anthony Davis comes in and grabs an offensive rebound and gets a putback because, you know, he ends up with a small trying to box him out. So uh, there's not an easy fix, I don't think, for that issue. Um, And it certainly didn't help that the Pelicans shot like 30 of 30 on floaters in this game. (laughs) Um, And Etuan Moore obviously being uh, the biggest floater assassin um, (laughs) of the bunch. But, um, yeah, I mean, they just got straight up beat. Uh, And I don't know if you can take away much aside from that. Like, they won the three-point battle in spite of the fact they didn't shoot well from three. They Mm -hmm. still outscored the Pelicans by nine from behind the three-point line. Yeah, Uh, They won the free-throw battle. They won the turnover battle. 
they just gave up 72 points on the paint. They did not win the hitting ridiculous shots (laughs) battle, which evidently ended up being the deciding factor. No, but I do think, I mean, like, they were just soft in the middle in this game. And I think typically they've been pretty good, actually, at at protecting the paint. And and some of their issues defensively have been defending the three-point line. So this was a weird reversal of that. But um, as far as kind of making in-game adjustments or finding solutions to, you know, just one basic two-man action that's killing them, Mm. uh, I don't know. It was kind of discouraging, I guess. But obviously they have a lot of time to sort that kind of thing out. Yeah, and that lineup you mentioned that Siakam with a five with OG, Kawhi, Danny Green, and Kyle Lowry, like that is a lineup that I think, and Nick Nurse even said, like we're not going to see that a ton, but I do think that's going to be... In a lot of cases, they're like break glass in case of emergency type of lineup. And it did kind of work. Like, they were a minus one in their four minutes, but it was kind of a cheap minus one. They looked really good defensively. They had, like, as you mentioned, a couple where I think Pascal had a block and it kind of went off the backboard right into the hands of Davis for a dunk. Yeah. And then they had like four or five possessions where they defended their asses off for 20 seconds. And then Drew Holiday pulls up for a three in Kyle Lowry's eye. And it's like, well, what are you supposed to do? So I do think that lineup in like a bigger sample will probably look a lot better and be, um, you know, you could tell Nick even kind of knew exactly what he was doing when he put that lineup out there. And he said, like, I thought we had him. Like, I, I really thought we had him. And I did two for a sec. They got it to within six. Um, that, I guess, was a little bit of a curious decision, too. Uh, the Raptors start the quarter on a bit of a run. They get it to within six to uh, within a minute. And Lorenzo Brown's on the court for that lineup. And, you know, that's nice. You have made the note that he leads the league in 10-2 runs while doing absolutely nothing to contribute to them. That's entirely fair and true. And that, that the same thing happened tonight. And I was kind of expecting after that one minute of sort of rapid catching up that the Raptors did at the start of the fourth, that they might go with a you know a quick sub in for Kyle Lowry or even bring I think they took DeLon right out of the game at that point or or Fred one of the two I thought they might sub them one of them back in in place of Lorenzo just because come on I, I mean love Lorenzo Brown he deserves the contract I'm happy they gave it to him but if you're trying to really make an earnest comeback I'm not sure you want to ride that for much more than you kind of got out of it there did you have a problem with Nick not bringing someone in there and switching things up and keeping Lorenzo out, out, out there? Because I think that resulted in them going on, like, a, like the Pelicans went on, like, an 8 run right, right away out of that, and that's when they eventually brought in the sort of Raptors pseudo-death lineup. I don't know. Do you have a problem with that? I saw some people kind of being a little upset about it. It's just was one Dan of them Hackett. Daniel Hackett? Yeah. <laughs> just to Dan Hackett. The most instant tweet in the history of the world is him tweeting whenever Lorenzo Brown comes in the game. Um, but, I mean, it's fair like to ride that a little bit longer than maybe you should expect to get good results out of it. What did you think of the decision to kind of stick with him out of that uh, I mean, first I didn't, minute? I mean, I didn't necessarily expect him to bring Lowry back into the game. There was still 11 minutes left in the fourth at that yeah. point. Um so I don't think that was indefensible. Uh, and, yeah, like, Lorenzo Brown was definitely par- one of the culprits during mm-hmm. that run. He had a bad turnover, um, and he, he passed up an open three, and then he missed two other open threes. So it wasn't, like, a, you know, a particularly great run for him. But with C.J. Miles out of the game, mm-hmm. obviously Norm Powell being out as well, you know, this is the kind of game where you sort of have to dig deep into the bench. And Lorenzo Brown has proven at least capable of keeping his head above water he was good in that dallas game yeah so you know this could have been a case where yeah they came out and they just kept the lead within eight points and then lowry's able to come back and play the final nine minutes and be a little bit fresher and then yeah. it looks like a totally defensible move so um i don't want this to you know be a thing where the kind of uh results take precedence over the process yeah uh that said, yeah, I think once you kind of get into range there, you're trying to think about how to stay in range. Yeah. And 
it obviously didn't happen, and, and Brown was part of that. But frankly, I don't know if Kyle Lowry coming back into the game would have made that much of a difference because he kind of laid a dud. Yeah, he was one. not good today. And yeah. I just quickly, I don't mind keeping Brown in there. Like, it's a long season. Throwing a bone to the guys who get you back into a game is never a bad thing to me. And if you lose the game, whatever. They're 12-2. and two, It's all good. And, like, they're going to be just fine. They're still on a 70-win pace. Um, so all is fine. Now, before we carry on, I just want to tell you about our sponsor for today, and that is my bookie. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice, and usually it's what team to bet on on a given night. And the truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years and have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I wouldn't be recommending them to you if they weren't good to me and if they weren't a good service. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy players out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in a given game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. It's up to $1,000 that they will match 100% to you if you sign up with MyBookie today using the promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim that amazing bonus. You play, you win, you get paid with MyBookie. Um... Kyle was rough today. One of nine, just four points. He still had 11 assists, which kind of stuns me because I thought the offense was more stagnant than I've seen it all season long. And usually Kyle racking at those assists is very indicative of him getting into the offense quickly and them just kind of steamrolling teams with whatever they're doing. Like it, A lot of it's very quick, like one pass Steve Nash stuff. But that wasn't really the case tonight, so I'm kind of surprised that number was so high for him. The numbers weren't high for anybody else on the team. What did you think of the offense tonight in terms of how it's looked compared to the rest of the season? Because I thought it was like kind of stagnant. For me, like it almost looked like they were doing the Joel Embiid offense, where it's like, let's just throw it to the post and like see what happens. They did a lot of posting up with Kawhi. Kawhi had a rough game. They did a lot of posting up with, with Siakam. A little bit more success there. I'm sure we'll get to that. But um, yeah, the, what did you think of the way the offense looked tonight comparatively to the rest of the year so far? Um, I thought it was a bit stagnant, but I don't know if it was actually that much more stagnant than it's been. Yeah. I think it looked worse because they weren't making shots. Fair, yeah. Uh, they still got 45 threes up, yeah. and a lot of them were pretty good looks. They just didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a bit more stagnancy in the offense than there was last year, and that, frankly, you know, a lot of it comes down to Kawhi. Yeah. Uh, he, he is that kind of player, and, and as good as he is, and how as effective as he is at kind of attacking guys one-on-one, mm-hmm. He slows the offense down sometimes. Yeah. You know, he's a bit of a ball stopper. And uh, sometimes, you know, the ball will find him and there will be a good rhythm and flow to the offense, but he'll want to take a beat and size up the guy who's guarding him and decide, you know, whether or not he has a mismatch and yeah. whether or not he's going to attack. And he's very methodical that way, and it can be extremely effective, as we've seen. But when he has a bad game like he did tonight, yeah. uh, it, it can kind of gum things up for the rest of the guys. And I think... In this one, yeah, there were a few times when his eyes got kind of wide, seeing like Drew Holiday matched up on him, and he tried to take him into the post. And yeah. frankly, that didn't prove to be such a mismatch for him. Oh, yeah. uh, Drew's like a really strong and savvy post defender. He's so awesome, man. Yeah, God, he's, he rules. he's wonderful. Like, and, and if you know, Raptors fans love to talk about how other players think that getting posted up on Kyle Lowry is a mismatch, <laughs> and it's kind of the same with Drew, except he's actually you he's know a little bit four, a yeah. little bit bigger and stronger <laughs> than Kyle is, even so. 
Um, that happened a few times, and you know, you mentioned Siakam, like he was one of the few guys who actually was able to like keep the offense moving. He was making such snap decisions, yeah, um, and that was obviously really heartening. Uh, you know, he was one of the few guys who was actually able to keep them in some sort of an offensive rhythm because the ball would find him, and he would make a move pretty much right away. That spin yeah. move remains basically impossible to stop. Yeah, uh, and you know, he obviously. Scored a few buckets in transition as he always does. He so. got AD to bite at a pump fake, which was uh, oh man, something Just a thing of beauty. Something else. He had two yeah. threes tonight as well, two of four. So he can shoot threes now. It's official. <laughs> the sample is large enough over two games. It's definitely a thing he does now. <laughs> yeah, just like we said with Demar last year when he had that stretch, <laughs> when he hit like thirteen threes across a three game stretch. Hey, and man, we're talking about the player of the week in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I guess we were talking about the player of the week a bunch of times last week with Demar, last year with Demar too. Yeah. So yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, my, my my point being like I, I don't think it's necessarily a problem yeah. um I, th- I think it's the trade-off when you have Kawhi Leonard because it is on nights where he doesn't go 7 of 20 he's going 14 of 23 and he can carry your offensive yeah. stretches and we've seen that and it's not a bad thing and that's like and he had the, a couple he had a couple shots that went in and out yeah. and like you know a couple uh, like floaters and layups that just like yeah. kind of spilled out like they weren't necessarily bad looks but uh he wasn't really getting to his spots I didn't think in the yeah. same way that we've seen from him in games past, and frankly, I didn't think he was particularly sharp at the defensive end of the floor either. Yeah. I think this was just kind of a bad game from him all around. And when your best player has a bad game, your best two players have bad games. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Uh, you can't expect to win, especially against a, a quality opponent. So yeah, yeah, and I mean, I it's I'm surprised that that they got 45 threes up to be honest, because I didn't think the offense was as snappy as it's been, and it really did, didn't feel like it has. I mean. For, for a stretch there, it was like Serge Ibaka was making the offense go by getting offensive boards and putbacks. Like, that was kind of the thing. So, I, I'm not really sure. Right. Well, a lot of the, a yeah. lot of three-point attempts they got were off of offensive rebounds. That's also like, true, like yeah. Six like, or seven Danny of Green them. had the one where he kind of poked one away and then got it for himself. Danny Green had a pretty rough night. He was pretty quiet, didn't do a whole lot. Um, I guess he was yeah. good in that defensive lineup when they put him out there. And, yeah. At the no, end, but, but he, honestly, he was he was a culprit too, as far as guys just not not staying attached on screens yeah. and, and trailing a little bit too far behind. Like yeah. that happened to him time and time again. Like he just was not staying attached, and yeah. um, that was like just freeing up those Pelicans guards to get into the middle of the floor, and from there they were able to do immeasurable damage. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting considering the flex that Kawhi had himself in uh, Sam Amick's story last week at the Athletic, where. He was talking about, like, it was a freedom of movement story, and he was talking about, like, yeah, it's only a problem if, like, you can't stay with your defender or stay with, stay with your guy. Like, that's not a problem for me. Um, was a problem tonight. There's just, like, a big lack of discipline when it came to that. And maybe just, like, a lack of respect for Etuan Moore, which, understandable from Kawhi and Danny Green to new Raptors who haven't seen Etuan Moore destroy the Raptors in the past <laughs> with the Bulls. So I guess that's fair. Um, anything else from this game that stood out to you? OG Ananobi was pretty awesome once again. 17 points, 6 of 13. Uh, missed a couple of, like, heartbreaking threes off of offensive rebounds again in the in the far left corner. Those probably would have changed the game. Like, those felt like... That seems like what Nick Nurse is referencing when he says, I thought we had him. Because it really did feel like if those shots go down, this is kind of a different game. But overall, what did you think of OG's performance tonight? Great. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was great. He's he, real dope. Yeah, he was really <laughs> active in passing lanes. Um he was probably their best offensive player on the floor tonight. Yeah. Um, it was fantastic in transition. And, yeah, he had a couple threes that uh, looked like they were going to go down that didn't. Mm-hmm. But he looked confident taking them, which was nice. Like, that, that possession you were talking about, like, he missed one. Kawhi yeah. got a, an incredible offensive rebound. Yeah. Fed him again in the corner, and he took it again with no hesitation. And I think 
even though he missed that shot, like that's that's really good to see. That's what you want to see from him. Like when he's open, he's got to take that shot. Yeah, and he's proven in the past that those are shots that he can hit. So yeah. uh, all good signs from him um, and Pascal as well. Like just the fact that those guys <laughs> just like continue to get better seemingly every single game. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, we talked last season about these guys and how excited we were to watch them grow. And, like, I don't even think any of us really saw it happening as quickly as yeah, it's happening. No, it's insane. Pascal came into the game with a 68.4 true shooting percentage, <laughs> and it got better tonight. He was 8-12. Yeah. He was 2-4 from deep, 4-4 four, four from the line. Uh, 22 points, led the team again in scoring. He's pretty rad, man. He's, and he, just, he's he like, shows no fear. Like he's, yeah. he's going after Anthony Davis, you know, one of the premier defenders in the NBA, yeah. and uh, you know, showing no hesitation um, and and um, just you know being willing to attack him. And yeah. um, not only that, but he he stoned him in the post a couple of times. He blocked him. He had one possession where he blocked him and then forced him into another miss on the same. Like I think, he, yeah, because Davis kind of recovered the block, put up another shot. Completely contested, yeah. perfectly by by Siakam. It's insane. It's uh, it's pretty exciting, man. Like yeah. I, 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 we've praised him so much on this podcast already, and like I'm sure everyone is sick of it by now. But it's just it's uh, as long as he keeps playing like this. Yeah, and I think Nick Nurse was saying too. Kind of, they were like, yeah, we, we got to make sure he's focusing on the defensive end as well. I thought mm-hmm. that he was not a, a culprit per se tonight. The way he defended Davis, like that's not a tough guard whatsoever Davis is going to get his right like that's just going to happen and a lot of it again was like weird bounces off of Siakam created blocks and, and, and loose balls and stuff like that so um, nothing to be upset about there CJ Miles uh, left this game with an adductor strain that's not awesome to hear we'll see what the prognosis is for him there just eight minutes for him he did hit a three in transition I think they were doing a two for one at the end of the first quarter that was nice to see I don't know if, if CJ misses extended time here with Norm out as well. How do you think that kind of affects what the Raptors are going to do rotation wise? It doesn't matter really that much. <laughs> Might have to get used to seeing Lorenzo Brown uh, playing sorry, in some Dan games. Hackett. Yeah, <laughs> um, boy, it sure would ni- be nice to uh, have Alfonso McKinney right about now. Sure would be. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think you hope it's not a long term thing because uh, yes, the Raptors have great depth. They yeah. have great depth on the wing, but being without both CJ uh, and Norm is suboptimal. Yeah. Um, Go Daddy, by the way. Oof. Gotta end that sponsorship stat. Jesus. Like, just I, get him out of the PJs. I'm not a superstitious person. No, but, but like, it's getting The evidence ridiculous. is undeniable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's a really good sign that DeLon has started to look like DeLon again. Yeah, I thought they, they could have used a lot more of him tonight. Just yeah. 16 minutes for him. When he was out there, he was making stuff happen. He's he was, shooting the three ball really nicely. And yeah, and still, like confidently stepping into it when he's in the corners. It's really nice to see. And like yeah. I thought during the the few attempts that the Raptors really had at trying to come back, like the end of the third quarter into the start of the fourth, like I thought DeLon was the biggest reason why that was happening. He yeah. was really active um, and kind of I think overshadowed Fred a little bit, and Fred had a pretty nice game overall, but I thought DeLon was just, like, super impactful and dynamic when he was in there. In just 16 minutes, I thought we could have seen a little bit more of him. Yeah, so I think I th- they probably just use him as a wing in more lineups uh, for as long as CJ is out. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like you said, he, he looked really comfortable running the offense in this game, and one thing he was doing a lot was... Um, especially in the first half, like we, he would run that pick and roll, mm-hmm. and if he caught a defender kind of leaning toward the roll man, he would just sling that pass to the corner right on target. He did yeah. that two or three times, and he's got vision. And, and to see him shooting well is really nice. I would still like to see him be like a little bit more aggressive attacking downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Uh, it was hard to complain about the way that he played, so hopefully he can keep it up because, yeah, they're going to need him. Um, I also wonder if maybe this will end up leading to perhaps maybe we'll get a little bit more of like the we haven't seen it at all, but like the the sort of giant lineup we thought we thought of maybe kind of getting some run with Kawhi playing the two next to OG and, and Pascal. We obviously saw those guys play the three, four, five so uh, in, in tonight's game, but. Maybe that's the way they fill in some of those minutes, too. And if that's what you're going to do, like, okay, maybe this is a problem you can get around if you could put Kawhi Leonard as your two for a couple minutes a game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, the the bench unit right now is, you know, like, it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, it's weird, man. Like, it's... Um, I think a lot of it just comes down to Fred not being particularly good right now. Yeah, yeah. And he was the engine that kind of made that unit go last year. Yeah, and Jonas had a rough night tonight, so yeah. you weren't getting that offensive boost from him either. Yeah. This but is probably I, his worst game of the year. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I don't... Apart from Fred just not really looking like himself, is there any other reason why you think that, that bench unit just hasn't been... Uh, the the bench mob that it was last year. Well, like, CJ's not been shooting particularly well. He's kind of come around a little bit lately. I think for me, it's just like it's a very different identity to that unit with, without Siakam. Yeah, without Siakam, but with Jonas playing center as opposed to Pirtle, who was just a straight rim runner who mm-hmm. didn't really demand the ball whatsoever. He could just crash the boards and play defense, and that was it. Jonas obviously requires a bit more of the ball. It's not a bad thing because he's a very good and efficient offensive player, but. Yeah. I just think with the way that lineup played last year, they kind of got around their lack of half-court creation by just being so dy- dynamic on defense and being able to turn the ball over and force misses and get no running off of that. And maybe they just don't have that same sort of ability without Pascal and with Jonas in there as opposed to Jakob. So I don't know. I feel like it can be good in a different kind of way, perhaps. Like I don't, I don't think it has to be this monstrous defensive unit that you know has swaths of games where its offense kind of struggles but it always is held up by its defense and is usually going to break even um but yeah it's it's a weird mix i think siakam's playing so well you can't really afford to move him to the bench because like you want to have him in for as many minutes as possible and taking away the first six or seven minutes of that like that's going to hurt the number of minutes you can get him to play so like he's just played his way i think if nick nurse had his way i think we were talking about this before the game maybe if he had his way, I feel like Siakam would be, like, kind of doing... Like, the Siakam OG flip-flop would be the same as the Jonas and Serge one, but Siakam's played so well. Like, how can you possibly take him out of the starting five? Right. So. I mean, I wonder if, like, what if you bumped Danny Green out of the starting lineup? Yeah. Moved OG into the starting lineup. Went super big. Super big, like Kawhi plays the two, yeah. effectively. And then you have Danny Green with that second unit basically fulfilling the role of CJ just super last CJ year, from last year yeah. but actually like hopefully knocking down shots and actually being able to defend people <laughs> yeah you could do that because I don't then, think JV to me is not the issue with that unit he's actually bailed out that lineup I think on a number of oh I agree yeah it's not he's not an issue it's weird because a lot of these guys have played well individually I think like even Fred at the start of the year looked really good DeLon's kind of come around OG's been great like they've all looked fine on their own it's just as a cohesive unit it doesn't quite fit Maybe the answer is just staggering Kyle and Kawhi more often. Yeah. That could be it. Um, just, you know, if you're going to have that, if you're going to do what you suggested and move OG into the starting five and put Danny on the bench, like that kind of, there's going to be a hole at the four there. That's where the, sort of the short big man rotation becomes a bit of an issue. Um, so I don't know how you address that, but. Moose. Oh, you want to go to the Monroe Valanciunas? <laughs> Monroe with better than Andre Drummond? No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's probably just worth experimenting yeah. and 
like you said, it's a long season, so why not? Yeah. You know, and it, and I feel like that unit right now needs to be kicked out of its malaise. Yeah. Um, so I, I would feel comfortable experimenting. I think you're right. I don't think moving Pascal to the bench is the answer. Like mm-hmm. uh, he needs to be featured, and I think he needs to be featured with Lowry yeah. in particular. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's just it's just weird. Like they have looked all kinds of off. I think. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, ultimately they're twelve and two. With that being the case. Yep. So like, these are first world problems we're talking about here. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> like, it's it, things are doing all right. Um, I don't know. Any parting shots before you wrap this thing up, Joe? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, the Pelicans are super fun. They are I, super I'm, fun. They are. They. I did a podcast yesterday saying or this morning about how they should be your second favorite team because they they rule and there's an underdog element to them being from New Orleans and Anthony Davis is awesome and Drew Holiday is like Western Conference Kyle Lowry. They're awesome. Yeah, so that's all I'll say is, uh, you know, tip your hat to a team that was uh, undeniably the better team tonight mm-hmm. and uh, enjoy being able to root for the Pelicans from here on out. Oh, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they're a fun team to root for when they're not playing against the team that you root for yourself. And going 61% on twos, which feels low. Like, real low, because they hit everything. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Joe, where can people check out your work? Check out my work at uh, The Score, thescore.com, or The Score mobile app. Um, I write features uh, on those platforms, and I also have a podcast uh, with Joseph Cacharo and William Liu. It's called Pound the Rock. You can check that out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. All the podcast places. All the podcast places. Um, and we don't just focus on the Raptors on that podcast. We talk all things NBA, even though the name does sort of uh, <laughs> come from, come from a, a great Dwayne Caseyism, but... Um, <laughs> It's a it's an all-encompassing NBA pod. Uh, so yeah, please uh, subscribe and uh, enjoy. Right on, man. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes as always. And if you want, you can check out the Patreon feed as well. Joe and I did a podcast on the Patreon page a couple weeks ago about Mike James. That was a good one. We've done episodes about Mo Pete's three since then, and also this most recent one with Katie Heindel. We talked about the Raptor for an hour, which was great. You should listen to it. Uh, it's five dollars, and you get access to all of the bonus podcasts as well as if you go up to seven dollars, you'll get a bonus special project uh, once a month. I haven't figured out what it's going to be yet, but there will be something cool. So stay tuned for that as well. Um, until then, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.